Shit, I'm never like, you know it's special pack it with the automatics, we gon' set them to have it. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey, woo! Welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm Tom Kayat. This is the Ultimate Men's Playbook Podcast. Today we're talking about eight ways to stand out, to be different, to be a stand-up guy. I'm going to tell you right now, I look at so many people out there, so many dudes out there, and I'm just disgusted and disappointed in how shallow, how weak, how insecure, how pathetic so many guys are. And you get that one guy out of 10 who stands out, and he's impressive. But what is he doing? What is he doing right that every one of us can do and really stand out? So I'm going to give you eight points. Let's start with number one. Lead by example. I mean, it seems like such a small thing. There was a guy that worked with me back in, I'm going to say it was uh, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. He was my elementary school principal. His name was Bill Cober. There was nothing impressive about the way Bill Cober looked. He dressed like a regular dude. He was probably, I'm going to say, 5'9" wasn't the most attractive dude, he wasn't the most well-built guy, had a little bit of a gut, he was athletic, but I gotta tell you, this guy was the best principal I ever worked for. Why? Because he led by example. I remember this one time, the caretakers were away sick for a week, I don't know what the deal, for whatever reason, we were short-staffed. And here I am, I just finished coaching, it might have been like 4.45 at the end of the day, we usually finish at 3.30, I coached for an hour and a half, the building is empty. I look inside one of the classrooms and somebody's working. It wasn't a caretaker because they were not there. It was Bill. It was Bill Cober, the principal, mopping up every single classroom to make sure that his students had a clean classroom the next day. Okay, I'm like, Bill, how many did you do? He said, I did all of them. How long did it take? He says, it's been taking about an hour. And the next day, same thing. The next day, the same thing. Dude did what it took. There was another time we had a behavioral class. Okay, these guys are, man, I hate to say the worst of the worst kids because kids aren't bad, but their behavior was the worst of the worst. They were sent to our school, and we had a specialist, one of the top guys in the area, deal with these kids. Well, this particular teacher was extremely stressed because these kids, I'm going to tell you, they were off the wall. I had to deal with them. Uh, my coworker had to deal with them, one of the best in the business. And I remember our principal, Bill Cober, once again saying, I'm going to deal with this. I want you to just step out. I want you to take a break. And here was this guy dealing with a violent kid, punching him in the stomach, uh, swearing at him, spitting at him. I'm like, dude, you don't need to do this. He says, I do because my teacher's stressed out. Sometimes you got to get into the trenches, Tom, and you got to support your staff by taking action, right? And being the example, I'm like, holy shit, like dudes really stepping up. There's another time, it was my evaluation year. Every five years, teachers get evaluated. So they go through your books, they go through your lesson plans, they go through your long range plans, they go through your, um, they actually watch you teach for a couple of lessons. And every single teacher is stressed during evaluation year. So it's kind of the similar thing of a, a contract year. Your contract is up as a professional athlete. And pros usually have their best seasons during that year where they have to renegotiate. Well, it's the same thing with teachers. And, you know, Bill had seen me 
so often teaching my class because he'd walk in, shoot the shit with me while I was teaching. He saw what I did. He saw that I ran a, a tight ship, a great program. The kids loved my classes. Bill comes in one day and I said, um, when are we doing our evaluation? He goes, he says, I came in. He says, your evaluation was great. We wrapped everything up, wink and a nudge. He says, let's just finish up the paperwork. We'll get this thing done and get this wrapped up. Right. And I knew what Bill was doing. Bill was showing respect to me. He was res uh, showing respect to my uh, lessons, my um, professionalism as a teacher. He just bypassed the whole process and said, I know you're good, Tom. We don't need to do an evaluation. I've already seen you in action for years. Let's forget this formality and just write this thing out. I got to tell you, even I, as, as good as I thought I was, had pressure having to perform and do my little dance for this evaluation. And he just totally alleviated the stress because he led by example. He was a stand-up guy. Everybody loved this guy. There was a point in time where he had to leave the school. He wanted to move on to become a superintendent. But before that, he went to another school. I got to tell you, there is about a quarter of our teachers who wanted to quit their jobs at my school and transfer over to his school. Guess what happened? He took one teacher. He didn't allow it because he knew that he would wreck the climate of the school if he purged our staff and brought them over to his new startup school. He was opening up a new school. It would hurt our school so badly with a quarter of the teachers leaving and some of the best teachers at that. He knew I wanted to go with him. I wanted to go follow Bill, but I did what was best for our community and I stayed. Where a lot of people are saying, you're going to leave, you're going to leave. No, I was a stand-up guy. I stayed with my school. And he made sure that other teachers stuck with our school, Holland Landing Public School. We didn't go anywhere because he knew that um, he was a guy of integrity and he couldn't purge our school. That's the kind of guy he was. Now, let me ask you something. Are you that type of leader? Are you ty that type of example where you work? Or do you just kind of go with the flow? got to tell you, you got to stand out. And the way to stand out is be above and beyond. Be above average. Do the hard things. Do the shit that no one else wants to do. Number two, make time for your family. Here's the thing. Some people wake up at 6 a.m. to get into their car, rush out of the building, um, avoid traffic by leaving early. You know, you got to get to work at nine. And, uh, you, you know, you go through the grind waking up that early, putting in a nine-hour day, coming home with traffic, you come home at 6 p.m., you have your dinner, you're fucking exhausted, and what do you want to do? You want to escape. You sit in front of the TV, watch Netflix. It's so easy nowadays to give the kids their tech, to give them their TV, to give them their video games, and the kids are now occupied. And you haven't really said much to them. Hey, Joey, how's it going? How was your day? Good, good. You don't really care because you just want escape. So you put on your favorite TV show. The kids put on their favorite video game. And the kids become oblivious to you as a parent. How many people do you know who are just like that? Are you like that? Is this what you want? I got to tell you, as a school teacher, I saw the ill effects of that. Kids didn't care about their parents. They didn't respect their parents. They had their own heroes outside of their own parents. To me, that's a disappointment as a parent. 
So what did I do? I bucked the norm. I didn't give a shit. If I wanted to take a day off, um, you can call it a mental wellness day, whatever. But I made sure that I would pull my daughter out of school and we went to Canada's Wonderland and we bonded. Was work important? Yes. But guess what? Took that day off, gave a supply teacher a day of work. I took my kid to Wonderland and we had the time of our life. She never forgot it. And I would do that periodically because you know what was important? It was those highlights you create with your kids. All right? My advice to you, make time for your family. If you were given an arena to completely transform your body, your focus, your finances, and your family, would you take me up on it? Join the league, leagueofelite.com. Number three, don't bring your work problems home. Now understand, most everyone has shit at work. Angry clients, shitty co-workers, demanding bosses. I don't know what your situation is, but guaranteed you've got shit happening at work. But here's the thing. You don't live to work. Let that stuff, all of that shit, die at work. You owe it to your family, and you know this, to have an upbeat home and a positive environment. When you come in, it should be cheery. You should be like, hey, guys, how's it going? Give the kids high fives. Hug your wife. Had a great day. Now, if you have a shitty day at work, is it better off to scream at somebody on the road and have road rage? Is it better to talk to your neighbor and say, hey, Joe, I'm coming over. Let's crack open some beers. Let's bitch about work in your garage next door. Is that the best idea? You're going to shit all over your wife with the diarrhea that you came home with? Does she really want to hear that? You know she doesn't want to hear that. I mean, there's nothing worse than that, but you do need to vent somehow. So are we going to get all productive and go into the gym and punch the punching bag? No, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the root of the problem. You're going to man up and you're going to address the root of the problem with whoever is pissing you off at work. Okay? Don't wait for home so you can vent it while not dealing with the real issue. You're going to stand up and you're going to say, my boss is a fucking asshole. I'm going to address my boss right now. I'm going to have a word with him. This coworker is a piece of shit. I'm going to have that convo with him. I remember one guy goes, he says, I got a bone to pick with you. He goes, oh, I said, yeah, you got a bone to pick? What bone is that? And he says to me, yeah, you should be coaching a lot more than you do. I'm like, dude, I've got a family. I've got a family. i got two young kids at home that I need to get to. I'll do my fair share of coaching. Don't tell me what to do. There's a bone to pick, and I'm going to pick this fucking ass bone, asshole. And I told him directly, I said, don't ever fucking challenge me. Don't ever tell me I'm not doing enough. Because for, for a decade after that, I was coaching six teams a year, and he knew it. I was the most active coach in the entire school. But he had a bone to pick. And I got to tell you, it bothered him enough there was some tension between the two of us until I confronted him. And guess what ended up happening after that? I had his respect. We respected each other because we hammered home the argument. Right? I didn't have to bring it home and say, yeah, you know what this person said to me? My wife didn't want to hear about it. Address the problems at work. Um, one of my principals, I remember him saying, he goes, Tom, there's not a lot of guys in our school. It's a female-dominated staff. We need some more dudes. So here's what I'm thinking of doing. I'm thinking of taking your full-time position, uh, teaching phys ed, 
and I'm thinking of putting you in halftime as a phys ed teacher and moving you into the classroom to teach some other subjects. That way I can lure some male teachers in to give them some phys ed and they're more likely to come. I go, okay, yeah, no problem. I said, uh, let's sign the transfer paper. I'm fucking out of here. He goes, what? I said, oh yeah, you can get your other guy. It'll be a one for one exchange. You'll get your other guy and he'll take half of my phys ed. You might as well take the full thing because I'm out of here. I said, I'm not losing this position because you know what ends up happening? I see all of the kids in the entire school. I teach all of them and they've got a male role model every fucking day. All right. And you're going to put me in a classroom so I can only deal with 30 kids instead of everybody. No, sorry. I'm out of here. And he goes, Oh, whoa, whoa, Tom, I didn't mean to do that. I said, dude, you're going to bring somebody in. You're going to give them the fucking gold platter. In the meantime, my first five, six years, I paid my dues not teaching any phys ed. It's just a disrespect. So what are you going to do? And I remember him saying, job's yours, Tom. I'm sorry I stepped on your toes. You got a point. I walked out of there feeling like the boss felt really good. I had my job was secure. And um, you know what ended up happening? I went home with no qualms. Now imagine if I didn't. Imagine if I didn't stand up to this guy, be scared shitless that I'm going to lose a great job. Um, I was going to lose half of my phys ed position the following year. My job would be shit. No, you confront the problem at the root of the problem. That's how you deal with things. Don't bring your work problems home, right? Man up, own the problem, address the problem, talk to the people who are directly involved. And then when you get home, hug your wife, hug your girlfriend, whatever it might be, high five the kids, give them hugs and enjoy the rest of your day. Number four, this is so uncommon. Honor your word. Your word is your worth. When you give your word, you're putting your honor on the line. People trust in you because you value integrity and you never let them down. Well, that's kind of strange. Haven't we become cynical? You know, politicians say one thing and they do a complete about face. They lie, they get away with it. And we've all of a sudden become okay with that. It's no big deal. We don't trust anyone anymore. But can people around you trust you? I like to know that when I give my word, it's worth gold. Can you look people in the eyes, shake their hand and say, I've got you back. I've got your back no matter what. You do that and you will always stand out and you will always have the respect of everyone who matter. All right, honor your word. Number five, work on yourself emotionally, physically, spiritually. We're not perfect. We're human beings with flaws. I accept me for me. I, uh, I'm imperfect. My wife knows it. Sometimes I go off the rails. I don't beat myself up over that, but I tr do try to get better in all areas. This world is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's cruel. It's shallow. People trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Uh, my next-door neighbor has a new Mercedes, so I've got to get a new Mercedes. Yeah, but we don't realize that the Joneses next door are massively in debt. That's why they have that vehicle, because they could secure a line of credit where they could buy that shit. Okay, I'm not playing that fucking game. I'm not shallow, all right? Um, but you got to realize that the news always negative. It's attention grabbing. The more extreme it is, the more likely you're going to watch and the more likely they're going to make their, um, their, 
uh, sales of advertisements at the expense of you. All right, it's negative. You never hear about something good in the news, do you? Really? No. Okay, and you start becoming a selfish fucking asshole. Everything's negative. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses. The news is all around you that's negative. I want you to combat that with a growth mindset. Very few people are like that. Okay, put positive input into your head. Read good books. Listen to some podcasts. Have conversations with people who are movers and shakers who are doing good shit. Okay, look for examples of leadership and wisdom. I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's not that hard to find, but in some ways it is because very few people are like that anymore. All right, learn to stay calm under pressure. Be proactive versus reactive. This might take some time to get used to, but I'm telling you right now, it's, it's like hugely important. You stand out big time by doing that. All right, so like I said, work on yourself emotionally. Work on yourself physically, like be full of energy, go to bed on time, drink your water, work out, eat healthily. If I've got a nice car, I'm not going to put shitty gas into it. I'm not going to miss oil changes. I'm going to take care of it like I should. If I've got a Porsche, it's going to get the best treatment. I'm going to buff it up. I'm going to wash it. I'm going to make sure it's got the best protection. I'm going to get the best insurance for it um, because I respect it. Wouldn't you do the same for your body? All right, number six, prioritize your health. Without good health, you've got nothing. I remember seeing fat little Johnny in school. He'd have a garbage lunch, and he'd have even lower self-esteem. And I'd be like, I want to meet his parents. Sure enough, his parents were the adult version of him. Johnny didn't stand a chance. You fucking set him up with your own shitty habits. You made Johnny... A fat little dude who had no, in, no security because you didn't care enough to bring him to soccer. You just let him play his video games. You fed him shit because um, you succumbed to all of your weaknesses with potato chips at night. What are you going to do? You're going to eat it and not, you're not going to give it to Johnny? Come on. All right? No discipline. No leadership. Okay? Be an example for your kids. Think about it. Look at COVID. One of the biggest comorbidities with COVID was obesity. Chances are if you were obese and you had one other thing like diabetes, chances are if you got COVID and you were in that age bracket, you know, 60, 65, man, oh man, you had the potential to croak, all right? You take a look at a person who's super fit, 45, lean body, trained all the time. If that person got COVID, I mean, there was still a risk. Don't get me wrong. But chances are you'd fight it off like a regular cold. Nobody wants to discuss this. All right. Do you want to be a drain on the healthcare system because you're obese? But nowadays it seems like it's okay. Well, of course it's okay. The pharmaceutical company is making a shitload of money off of you. They don't care. We used to have something back in the 70s called participation in Canada. We had uh, Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod doing these little commercials about staying fit, eating healthy. And they had these like... Uh, progressive charts for you know physical excellence that they were promoting in the schools that stuff's gone man like they don't give a shit think about it think about all the worried spouses you know your husband has um, high blood pressure diabetes alcoholic you're a strain on the family does your wife need that stress come on prioritize your health get into the gym build a home gym go out and do something go walk the dog eat healthy all right, 
Um, think of the flip side. Who are some of our biggest heroes? Movie action stars, sports figures. Um, why? Because they look good. They embody discipline. They embody success, confidence, high self-esteem. Can you be that guy for your family? Of course you can. Number seven, don't be a complainer. All right, I know this lady in our community. She's living in paradise. She doesn't work. They've got multiple millions. All she does is complain about the government. She complains about other people. She's fucking toxic. Okay, it's easy to find fault in everything. That's a mindset. You know, my air conditioning's busted. My blender is cracked. The dog shits everywhere. The pool pump is louder than normal. My neighbor's an asshole. We're still wearing masks. Okay, I'm in a bad mood now. Or I can say, look at the fucking stars outside. Holy shit, it's beautiful outside. Look at these flowers. I've never seen them um, blossom like this. This breeze is so nice off the ocean. Listen to the ocean sound. Man, this pool feels so nice. The dogs are such fun to be around. Like, think about your mindset there. Is it going to gravitate towards the negative? Or are you going to focus on the positive? We tend to focus on the negative, and then we start complaining. Complain, complain, complain. Have you ever heard yourself speak? Your wife has, and she's probably saying, ah, oh, fuck, Bernie can't stop fucking complaining. I can't stand this. Or she'll join you in on the negativity. Is that how you want to live your life? Negativity is a choice. We're conditioned to be negative. Or we can be the one out of 20 that's positive. It's a breath of fresh air. I love positive people. So I think you got to ask yourself, think about this. Who are five people who you know who exhibit all seven traits? All of them. Five people who lead by example, make time for their family, don't bring their problems home from work, they keep their word always, they have a growth mindset and they want to improve, they prioritize their health, and they don't complain. Can you think of three can you think of one or two? I'm like, holy shit. Like, honestly, it's hard for me to come up with that. I know a few. I have a good network of people that I hang out with, and I'm proud of that fact. All right. But how about you? There are few and far between. Better yet, you can be that person. Let me say it again. You can be that person. We need more people like that in the world. Over and out. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Subscribe, share with your friends, and be sure to check out the Ultimate Men's Playbook available now at Amazon.com.